established. of the third kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts today. There's another host that is joining me, Daniel's son. Heyo. Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there are a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 123 extra Patreon episodes, which is a lot of extra hours for your listening pleasure. So to see this full list of Patreon episodes, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click on the Patreon episodes tab, and there will be the entire list of past Patreon exclusive episodes that we have published. Also, today we added another Patreon exclusive episode, which is a Theories Thursday as well, in which we cover Soviet Union experiments where we talk about various experiments that the Soviet Union performed, such as head transplants and much more. And we discuss a missing nuclear warhead that was lost in the 1950s in the United States. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or on Spotify. And that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show. All right, so I have one announcement left that I need to make before we go into today's episode. I am aware that on the last episode, which is the Simpsons predictions. Correct. I screwed up. Yes, you did. And... <laughs> The Simpsons slash Walton connection, right? I, I understand I screwed up. I realized that after I published it, and it is going to haunt me until the end of days because I have received probably close to 100 emails. At least. A at least 100 emails. I've gotten almost 100 messages on not only my personal Instagram, but also on the podcast Instagram. Needless to say, I recognize my mishap. I apologize. Dan uh, punished me for it, everyone. He got a, a sock, and he filled it full of D-cell batteries and beat me with it. Okay? So there you go. I hope you're all happy. I am. All right. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode, which is a Theories Thursday. Now, if this is your first Theories Thursday, let me tell you how it goes. So a Theories Thursday is whenever me and Dan... We decide to pick a topic, and we don't tell each other what it is. We do our own independent research on it, 
and then we take turns telling each other about the topic and what we've found. And that's pretty much what a Theories Thursday is. Pretty much. And uh, the hardest part of this entire Theories Thursday is figuring out who goes first. Every time. Every time. All right. So for that, we're going to go to random.org. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. them. All right. Aaron and Dan. Okay, Dan, give me a number between 1 to 10. 7. Give me a number between 1 to 7. 4. 7 minus 4. 3. We're going to randomize it three times. Such hard math. One, two, three. Dan is the first one. To- Turn your computer around. No, <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. I don't care. No, I don't mind. Okay. All right. Well, you're the first one up, Dan. And then I am the second one up, of course. So, Dan, what do you have for us today? You know, I usually go with like a murder or a cryptid or, you know, or someone like missing. This time I decided to go with a topic that a few people have already suggested and figured it'd be interesting. I chose the ice bucket challenge. Are you talking about like that challenge in what was it, 2013 or 14 or 15? 2015 is where it gained a lot of media attention. But yes. All right. I remember that. So yeah, this Theories Thursday is about the ice bucket challenge and whether or not it is a satanic ritual or just a friendly act of bringing awareness to ALS. Oh my God. Yeah. No judgment. I'm not going to judge you, Dan. I'm going to go in this with an open mind. Hey, I had to go in this with an open mind, but it was requested. So, you know, I figured why not? It's something different. I'm not used to like searching into like these weird things like this. So. All right. Well, try to convince me that dumping ice over your head is worshiping Satan. I'm not going to say I'm going to (laughs) try. I'm just going to give you the facts that I found. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, let's hear it. All right. So two things, though. I mean, you already know what the ice bucket challenge was, but for those who don't, 2015, people were dumping buckets of ice water on their head to bring awareness to people that have ALS. Now, the second thing, what is ALS? ALS is short for amyotropic lateral sclerosis, which is neurodegenerative disease that results in the progressive loss of motor neurons that control voluntary muscles. So pretty much your daily motor functions, talking, hand movements, stuff like that. You just start losing those motor functions. Okay. All right. So back in 2015, the Ice Bucket Challenge was a huge social media buzz. You know, everyone was doing it. Everyone was challenging everybody. Unfortunately, I never did it. I partook in one of the videos. I didn't do it myself, but someone very close to me did it, and I helped them do it. But you never did it? I never did it. I was never challenged. No no one that I knew actually was like challenged or ever did the ice bucket challenge that I know of. I just remember seeing it all over the, you know, social media. I'm just like, oh, that's pretty cool. They're, they must be cold. But it was like, what, celebrities, athletes, pretty much a shitload of famous people were doing this challenge. Yeah, and it's hard to believe that that was seven years ago. That, when I started reading up, and I was like, damn, has it actually been that long? Man, it felt like yesterday, you know? Mm. Yeah, but uh, they had like celebrities like Lady Gaga, Tom Hiddleston, I think Aaron's favorite artist, Justin Bieber, LeBron James. I hate you. <laughs> and of course, you know, they had, even Bill Gates did it, George Bush did it, even Jeff Bezos. And for those who don't know, all this is, is it shows a video camera uh, of the individual who got pretty much challenged. They say like, hey, I was challenged by this person. I'm going to do the challenge. And then afterwards, they pretty much nominate like three other people. Yeah, and the challenge, all it is, is them taking a bucket of ice and just pouring it over their head. 
That's it. That's all it is. That's all it was. Honestly, it was great seeing people come around doing this together, you know, supposedly bringing awareness to ALS. But only thing, though, is like, I honestly never knew it was for ALS. I just thought people were just challenging people to dump ice water on themselves. Because all the stuff I seen, I never saw anything underneath of it saying ALS. Hmm. And they don't ever really say anything in the videos about it either. Just saying, I've been challenged by this person. Now I nominate these people. Do you remember ever, like, anything being said about it at all? Yeah. I remember looking into it and them saying, oh, it's all for ALS. And I'm like, oh, cool. Well, at least it's for a good cause, you know? Yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't hear any of that or see any of it. So I was, like, I was so confused. It's like, I mean, that's cool. I mean, it's hot summer, you know? You want to cool down? Cool. <laughs> More power to you. But seeing that the Ice Bucket Challenge is supposed to be bringing awareness of this, but for some reason people were saying that it could have been a satanic ritual. Oh my God. Okay. So I had, to, I had to go to the very beginning to see where it started, how it started. I know, Aaron, you just got to stick with me on this one. All right. Well, let's summon some demons with some ice water. All right. Well, in 2012, a professional baseball player named Peter Freights was diagnosed with ALS. Then that next year in 2013, Patrick Quinn, I believe, who played baseball for Boston College. He was diagnosed with ALS. Well, the two of them actually came together after seeing a video of Chris Kennedy, who was a professional golfer, daring his wife's cousin, Jeanette Sinarchia. They challenged her to dump a bucket of water of ice water over her head and post a video of it on social media, calling others to do the same or to donate to charity, which Jeanette's husband had ALS as well. So after seeing that, Quinn and Freights decided to take the challenge to greater heights to spread the awareness of ALS even more. And that's exactly what they did. They had raised more than $220 million in research for ALS, which ALS Association was quoted saying that this was the greatest social media campaign in history, which, I mean, $220 million is a lot, which that was the last time I read it. It could be even more now. That is a lot of cheddar. Yeah. Now, they did a hell of a job raising awareness of money, but now you're sitting there you know, saying to yourself, Dan, you said this could have been a satanic ritual. Where the hell is the satanic ritual at? Well, how the satanic ritual conspiracy started with this was with a journalist writer from the World Net Daily, which, from what I read, is supposedly a conspiracy theories website. So I'm like, okay, you know, this is starting to be a little questionable, but, you know, we're going to go with it. Now, one of the writers felt suspicious that so many people were coming together to eagerly take on this ice bucket challenge. They didn't and couldn't believe that people would do this out of goodwill or even for charity. So this person had a, from what I see, it seems like they have an ice cold heart. Oh, they, were, they had a very negative outlook on life. Yeah, that's definitely what it seemed like. So the journalists decided to do some investigating into it and came upon a video by Anita Fuentes, who was a self-described evangelist. In this video, Anita claimed that she had found hidden cryptic and cultic messages within the clips of celebrities doing the Ice Bucket Challenge, in which one of those celebrities, like a little video clip of them doing the Ice Bucket Challenge, made her feel that she has confirmed her finding of it being a cryptic message. And guess who that celebrity was? Justin Bieber. Please tell me it was Justin Bieber. Nope. Hold on. Hold on. Is it a girl or a guy? It's a girl. Very famous. Beyonce. Nope. Ellen DeGeneres. Nope. I don't know. I'll give up. You get a satanic ritual. Oprah? It was Oprah. Damn. So, I do have a clip of it. All right. And I'm going to let you watch it first, and then I'm going to ask you where you think the message is. Okay. I'm an expert in satanic 
symbolism and hidden messages. So I'm going to be able to rip this apart. All right, we're going to link this video up for anybody who wants to see it on our uh, website. You can go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on references, scroll all the way down, and the video will be right there. Or you could just go to YouTube and type in Oprah Ice Bucket Challenge and watch it there. So, yeah, we're going to play that right now. In the name of ALS and charitable giving, Jesse Tyler Ferguson first called me out. Thank you very much for that. Then Mr. Tyler Perry himself, I owe you one, and Nancy O'Dell doing this for your mother. And I want to challenge some people too, because I'm going to actually do it. So, Steven Spielberg, I challenge you. I know where you live. Mm-hmm. You're up next. And Manish Dayal, mm-hmm, challenging you too. And Dame Helen Marin, I'd like to see you take on the ice bucket challenge. And perhaps if you don't have an ice bucket, because I don't know if dames have ice buckets, I will loan you mine. I am ready for the ice now. All right, so that was the clip. A couple things. In the name of was the first one that kind of rubbed me a little wrong. Second off, I know where you live. It's a little weird. And then at the end, she said somebody else's name. I couldn't understand who the hell it was. Some dame, I guess someone of royalty or something. I don't know. And the scream at the end was a little weird. And can you tell her dog to shut the f*** up? Huh? <laughs> but yeah, so you were right. You nailed it. In the name of ALS. When she said that, that right there is what supposedly confirmed that this was a cultic message and that all these ice bucket challenges were actually part of a ritual cleansing of America in the name of Satan. How do they get that out of just somebody saying in the name of? You know what? I don't know. Really? Is that it? That's what started it, okay? It was just that phrase right there that made this whole thing, a satanic ritual, real for her. I'm like, all right, that's what you want to say. Now, there's some more to it. Okay, let's hear it. So another co-founder of the ALS fundraiser was a man named Corey Griffin. Not Peter. Not Peter Griffin. During the night of August 16th of 2014, there was a fundraiser for ALS, and Corey was there helping with it and all that. And they actually raised that night $100,000 just in that one night. And that was, you know, great. Everyone was excited for the fact that they actually hit, I guess, their mark for 100000 that night. But something went wrong. Some say in celebration of this, Corey at around 2 a.m. that night, which made it like Saturday morning because this was a Friday night, he decided to climb onto the top of a place called Juice Guys on the Straight Wharf in Nantucket and decided to jump off of it into the water. Witnesses said that after he jumped off into the water, his body floated back to the surface, and after a, you know, floating there for a bit, his body just went right back underwater and did not resurface at all. Well, uh, nobody went and got him? So, a lifeguard had gotten him, but of course they had to alert the knife lifeguard, considering it was 2 a.m. So I'm guessing there was a lifeguard around at 2 a.m.? Eh, it seems a little weird. They were able to get him out of the water, and they rushed him to the hospital, but at 3 a.m., Corey Griffin was announced dead, which I think right here, what I'm about to say, is a part of why they think that it's a satanic ritual. Guess what age he was when he died? 33. Mm-mm. 27. Oh, God. 27 Club. Here we go. Now, he wasn't like a huge celebrity or someone extremely famous, but he was a co-founder of the ALS uh, fundraiser stuff. So he was getting up there in, I guess, notoriety whatever but i think this is what added to it is the fact that he died at the age of 27 
which now links to the 27 Club. Yeah, and if you don't know about the 27 Club, tell them about it, Dan. Tell them what it is. Pretty much the 27 Club is a list of celebrities like artists, actors, and all that who had died at the age of 27. And most of their deaths are very, very mysterious. Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There is a shit ton on the list. But yeah, so the fact that he died at age 27 and the fact that he died on the night that they gained $100,000, you know, it was supposed to be a good night. People believe that the reason why he jumped off was that something went wrong and they needed a, a sacrifice was needed. I know. That's what they're going with. But yeah. And this journalist even went on to say that even though Corey Griffin wasn't like a huge famous person, only one newspaper or whatever reported his death, which was the Boston Globe, which I kind of found that to be false. ESPN, Yahoo, NBC, they all reported that he died that night. Okay. But for some reason, she decided to say that only one newspaper covered it and like they were just trying to cover it up, which was weird. Yeah, trying to make it more mysterious than it is. Still, though, why do they believe this was a satanic ritual, though? Some few words from Oprah, a mysterious death of a founder of the fundraiser. Well, that Anita lady, the evangelist, she talked about how the ice bucket challenge was like the religious ritual of baptism. Using like water is part of like different Christian based religions. You know, you sprinkle water on them, water poured directly on like overhead or in some cases a person's immersed in a pool of water. Yeah, you get dunked on. Like, they take your face and just push you under the water and you damn near drown. Like, what happened to me when I was 11 years old, freaking took my face, he like, palm-faced me and then dunked me under and, this boy is now clean of sins. And I'm down there looking up at him thinking, I'm about to freaking drown in front of all these people. Then he brings me up. And he's like, you're a good boy. And he hugs me and gives me a kiss on the cheek. And I'm like, eh, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what happened to me. True story. I do have a question about that, though. Okay, go ahead. Why do they, like, palm your face and put you down there, under there? Why don't they just, like, the hand on top of your head, sink you down, then bring you back up? It's different with each religion. With my religion at the time, they palm my face, but I've seen it done differently. Okay, I've only seen a couple of them. I haven't really looked into that. Have you seen the one where the, the freaking priests take the baby and they dunk them and keep dunking them? I'm like, damn, I feel bad for that baby. Yeah, they were just like taking them, turning them upside down, dipping them in, bringing them out, dipping them in, bringing them out. It's just like, how many times you got to cleanse the baby? The little demonic baby. <laughs> little <laughs> demonic baby. It starts taking off running. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. So across different religions, you know, the symbol of water has represented cleansing and purity. Well, the connection with this is that the ice bucket challenge was a negative against those purifying rituals, which was called like ritual washing. I think she called it ritual wasting but I think she meant ritual washing. But anyway, she thought that taking away the symbolism of cleansing and purifying from the rituals to this challenge made it seem nothing more than just like fun and games for a charity. You know, something that was supposed to be like cleansing, puring, supposed to be religious, that they were just making a mockery of it, you could say. Ah, okay. So making a mockery of the baptism. Yeah, so she felt it was insensitive and made the ice bucket challenge using water as a bad thing. What about when you take a shower in ice cold water? Or what about when athletes get done working out and they go take an ice bath? I thought of that too. I was just like, when we shower in it, people like use ice water to, you know, after a game and all that stuff. But it just seemed like this one, I guess, because it was getting popularity that someone had to say something negative about it. Okay. So that was right there, I believe was just a far reach, was just trying to make it more like it was a negative against a religious thing. But then I dug up some more. 
and there is more. Uh-oh, let's hear it. So, back in medieval times, pagans or practicing Wiccans were what they called agents of the devil. In order to deal with these agents at the time, the accused, aka the pagans or practicing Wiccans, back then would have to go through a trial by ordeal, which is a water trial. What, do they like waterboard them? Technically, that was part of it, yes. The accused would be tied with a rope to be retrieved and then immersed in water. Under the terms of this so-called trial by ordeal, if the accused sank in the ice-cold water, they would be considered innocent. If the accused floated in the ice-cold water, it was a sign that they were true agents of the devil. Now, this is all, of course, through spiritual speculation. Some argue that only reason the accused, you know, the agents of the devils, would float is because they rejected baptism or that the water was so pure that it would repel the guilty, which that would make them float because the water would not let them sink because they were agents of the devil. I can see it. <laughs> they throw my ass in the water and I'm floating just trying to breathe. I'm like, damn, it's cold. They're like, he's the devil. He's got the devil. Now my ass is cold and I don't want to go underwater. Exactly. Damn. People back then, ugh, weren't that smart, huh? They weren't. But, I mean, that right there wasn't, like, the worst of it, though. Oh, jeez. All of these were, like, different trials by water, it seemed. The other trial that I found that they did was that they would put, like, a stone or something in, like, a bowl or pot of boiling water, and they were just like, stick your hand in that boiling water and get the stone out. If you're a true believer in God, he will protect your hand and you'll be able to grab it and bring it out. If you get burned, you're an agent of the devil. Well, I'd, I'd look at him and I'd say, you first. And that right there is what they were wo- hoping for. They wanted you to say no, because then that would be easier for them to be like, he's the true agent of the devil, because your belief in God was not strong enough. Because if you believed in God, you would be safe and you would put your hand in there and get burned and that'd be the end of it. Because if you got burned, they'd be like, oh, they believed in God. And, you know, they're not an agent of the devil. Dumb, I know. Man. I wonder who came up with these ideas. I don't know. It was back in the medieval times, so. Not, not very smart back then. So this connection, would, in my opinion, would be against it being, you know, satanic, though, because, I mean, if you sank in water, you were innocent. I mean, these people were pretty much pouring water on themselves, so I figured that would mean they were innocent. If the water can repelled off of them, then they'd be like some devil worshiper or something. That's what they were trying to say. But, yeah, that's what I found you know, on the ice bucket challenge, it's supposedly being a satanic ritual. This stuff is like all they use to try to connect it to make it sound like a satanic. Okay. In my personal opinion, it is sort of a reach. Oh, I do have something else though. Okay. Is this going to make me a believer? No, but this is going to make you be like, oh shit. <laughs> okay. When I read this, I was just like, oh, that's a little interesting. Now, this is part theory with part strange fact and finding. So some believe that this wasn't a satanic ritual, though. Some believe that this was actually a coded message to ISIS to let them know that, hey, come over to America and infiltrate it. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, that makes no sense. Makes no sense, okay? <laughs> but I did find something interesting, though. So as I was researching this, trying to figure out more about ISIS and Ice Bucket Challenge being connected, well, I got to say this. The Ice Bucket Challenge was a code from the Illuminati to ISIS to come over. Forgot that part. They couldn't just call him up, All Baghdadi or whatever his name is? No, nope. They had to do the Ice Bucket Challenge. You got to spread it around. I don't know why. But the thing I found, though, that made me go, oh, that's interesting, 
was with the ALS Association. They had a pharmaceutical company that was working with them. Guess what the name of that pharmaceutical company was? ISIS. ISIS. Not long after like that theory or something came out, December 18th of 2015 is when the ISIS pharmaceutical company decided to change their name, Ionis Pharmaceuticals. You figured that they would have done that back in 2007 or 8? You figure, but <laughs> I even found the article where it says like ISIS Pharmaceuticals changes their names to Ionis Pharmaceuticals. Ionis. But I thought that was funny. I was just like, why would the Illuminati message the ISIS to come over? But then I find out the pharmaceutical company's name was ISIS. I'm like, oh, I guess maybe that was the connection they messed up on. It wasn't actually the terrorist group, but I guess bringing all over the uh, doctors or whatever working for the pharmaceutical company. Like, come on over to America. Well, that's a very interesting topic that you brought today, Dan. It was interesting. I don't believe that it was a satanic ritual, though, but I just believe, you know, it was honestly just bringing awareness to ALS. But, you know, there's always that somebody that has to find something odd about something. Yeah, I'm open to hearing people's opinions and the theories. But what I don't like is I don't like those far reaches where they try to connect A, B, C all the way to Z and they're completely different. Right. And they're making these far reaches. I, I don't like that. I mean, and to have just one celebrity say a phrase in the name of. I mean, yeah, it sounds weird, but it's Oprah. She, like, she could say whatever the hell she wants. And everyone's going to be happy with what she says, it seems. But Yeah, Oprah touched my dick back in 2004. Anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, before we change off this topic, do you remember back in, like, 2011 or 2012 when that Coney 2012 shit came out? Yes. Dude, I fell for that so hard. I ended up, like, supporting them and buying T-shirts and shit. I was so dumb. Uh, I remember you talking about that shit back then. Do you remember the uh, Harlem Shake in early 2013? That dance? Yeah. Yeah. There's something weird that I didn't know that happened during this Harlem Shake time period. So you have nephews and they watch YouTube. So I'm sure you're familiar with a famous YouTuber named Blippi. B-L-I-P-P-I. He wears an orange and blue hat, orange glasses. And he does like children's shows on YouTube and he is a very odd character, but he makes millions of dollars every year on his YouTube, just making these like stupid YouTube videos. And he's kind of like the modern day Pee Wee Herman, you know? Anyway, why do I mention Blippi and the Harlem Shake? So I heard rumors on the interwebs of a very weird video of Blippi before he was Blippi when he did the Harlem Shake. And I'm really good at finding things online. Very good. You are. This video was buried extremely deep, but I found it. He's had so much money put into people burying this story. It is unreal. In 2013, when this entire Harlem Shake thing happened, and for those of you who don't know, Harlem Shake is just like a song, and people would play the song in the background, and then they would react to it of them like dancing all crazy, right? So it was like, the crazier the dance could be, the more viral the video would go. Well, before Blippi was Blippi on YouTube, he ended up doing the Harlem Shake with his friend in the bathroom, and then when the bass dropped, there was a transition scene, and Blippi is defecating on his friend. 
Wait, 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 wait. Is this the one? God, I've seen. I I hope the guy that's not this video, because I was scarred by this one. Is he the one that was on his hands on the floor in the bathroom with his friend behind him? Yeah. So that person went on to go make a bunch of child uh, videos on YouTube, and he's extremely popular, and he's educating all your children. So congratulations. That's that's a very scarring video, and the fact that you said that and it brought it back up from this hidden place in my mind. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Now, I hope that's not your Theories Thursday. (laughs) No, it's not. So for my Theories Thursday this week, I decided to go with something a bit strange that involves Benjamin Franklin. Before you get too deep into Benjamin Franklin, I gotta say this. I've had multiple messages about Benjamin Franklin. A lot of people remember him as being a president. No, uh -uh, he was was never president. Mandela effect. (laughs) Okay. If you or a loved one believe that Benjamin Franklin was a president, send us an email. I don't, though. I think I did for a little bit, then I realized he wasn't. All right, uh, so I know what a lot of people are thinking. Oh, Benjamin Franklin, how boring. Just trust me on this, because when I found this information out, I was completely weirded out by it. Is it going to blow my mind? You said it's as weird as mine. Yes, it's going to blow your mind. Everyone that I've talked to about this has never heard about it. Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, so to start this off, I'm going to give you a little refresher little history lesson about Benjamin Franklin, okay? So Benjamin Franklin was born in 1706 in Boston, and he had a total of 16 brothers and sisters. His dad had two wives, and he was f***ing. Wait, two wives? Was he actually... (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash ev9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Almost passed out right there, goddamn. Oh, so he was actually married legally to both of them, or just one was a... Wife, one, one died. Oh, okay. Yeah, one, his first wife died, and then he married another one and kept having kids. Anyways, whew, almost just passed out. Damn. Dude, his face turned red. I thought I was about to go purple. Thought I was about to give him out the mouth. Anyways, all right. So, Benjamin Franklin, he grew up in Boston, ended up going to school until he was 10 years old. And at that point, he quit school, and he started working for his father. And then at the age of 12, he became an apprentice to his brother James who ended up teaching him the printing trade, okay? And at the age of 15, Benjamin's brother James, who he was working as an apprentice for, actually founded one of the first American newspapers. Nice. Of course, Benjamin Franklin would go on to become an inventor, a scientist, a politician, and during his lifetime, he would establish the first all-volunteer fire department in the American colonies. He helped negotiate the 1783 Treaty of Paris that ended the Revolutionary War, and he even worked on and signed the Declaration of Independence, which a lot of people know him for. So needless to say, Benjamin Franklin played an important role in shaping the United States, and because of that, he is a beloved figure in American history, and he is often referred to as one of America's founding fathers. However, what if I told you, Dan, that Benjamin Franklin had a dark side? 
that he was possibly a serial killer and that he hid all of the bodies of his victims in his basement. I mean, when you say it, I'm, I kind of have to sort of believe it. I can't be like, no, you found something. <laughs> so strap in because this is going to get freaking weird, okay? Oh, goodness. As crazy as this sounds, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're crazy. Just listen to this because I couldn't believe it when I first found it out, all right? There are some strange things that were found on his property that points to him actually being a serial killer or a killer. And that's what my entire theory is over today. Benjamin Franklin, the serial killer. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right, so for us to understand this entire thing, right, we already know a little bit about Benjamin Franklin, but I need to tell you a few things that happened in his lifetime, okay? So in the year of 1757... Benjamin Franklin actually became the representative of the American colonies to the British Parliament. Now, because of this, he decided to move to London. Now, when he got there, he learned that, hey, there was a widow there named Miss Margaret Stevenson who had a four-story townhouse that was located at 36th Craven Street. Well, Miss Margaret and her daughter Polly were the only ones living there in that big-ass house. So Benjamin went up to him and was like, yo, can I get a couple of those rooms, Miss Margaret? And she was like, yeah, go ahead and move on in, fat ass. And he was like, thanks. <laughs> anyway, so he ended up renting out the upper rooms. And for the next 18 years, Benjamin Franklin lived there at 36th Craven Street. And Miss Stevenson and her daughter Polly all became like a second family to him. Of course, after that ended, uh, Benjamin Franklin returned back to the United States and he would continue to travel around the world. Eventually, he started to suffer from some health issues because he was so obese. And then at the age of 84, he ended up passing away. All right. So that is an important part of his history that you need to know before I talk about what happens next. All right. So like I previously stated, Benjamin Franklin would go on to become sort of like a legend in American history. And there were even organizations that were named after him. For an example, there was an organization created called the Friends of Benjamin Franklin House. And in 1998, this organization decided to restore that 36th Raven Street house that Benjamin lived at, and they were planning on turning it into a museum. Okay? All right. And just a random knowledge nugget, at that time, that was the only house left standing that Benjamin Franklin had lived at. All the other ones had been bulldozed down. Damn, they didn't care for his shit. No, which makes me wonder. They should track down where he previously lived and start digging up. Anyways, I'll get into that here in a minute. So, it's 1998. They start renovating the house. One month into the renovations, a construction worker named Jim Field found a small pit that was one meter wide by one meter deep, and it was located on the inside of a windowless room inside of the basement. When he located that room, there was a, like this dirt-filled pit, and it had a human thigh bone sticking out of it. So at this point, of course, they ended up calling the police, and they brought in a whole bunch of people and they started like an excavation into this basement dirt pit 
as they dug in this pit, they continued finding more and more human bones. In total, there was more than 1,200 human bones and multiple different animal bones. So, of course, they sent these remains off to be tested at the University of London to figure out, hey, how old are they? Like, are the current owners of this 36 Craven Street, did they, like, kill a whole bunch of people? You know, how old are they? Now, the results ended up coming back, and it stated that the 1,200 human bones were the remains of around 15 individuals, six of them being children. And majority of the remains showed marks from surgical instruments and trepanning, which we learned about a few theories Thursdays back, which is where you drill a hole into the skull. Yeah, to relieve, I guess, the pressure of the brain. or Yeah. And as shocking as that is, it only gets worse because the tests also showed that the human remains were over 200 years old and they stated that the dates of those human remains when they were buried was around the same time that Benjamin Franklin was living there in that house. Oh. And, of course, after this was sort of like brought up, a lot of people started speculating, how did these bones get here? Was Benjamin Franklin a serial killer? And, of course, they weren't going to say that, right? No. They, they weren't going to say that. But rumors started to circulate, and historians really weren't sure how they got there. But there are some common beliefs, and there's this one that they most commonly state. Like, if you look this up, almost every single website is going to state this, that the bones that were found were left there by a friend of Benjamin Franklin. So this one states that Benjamin Franklin's friend was running an illegal anatomy school in his basement. And is there any evidence to back this up? There kind of is. Oh, okay. Yeah, so back in 1772, a few years before Benjamin left and went back home to the United States, and at this time, of course, he was living at this house on Craven Street, and Polly Stevenson, Miss Stevenson's daughter, lived there as well still. She actually married a young physician named William Hewson, and he ended up moving into the house with Polly. Now, William was a respected physician at the time, and there was something else worth noting is that dissecting humans at the time, it was illegal. They could not do that. Somebody died, you couldn't dissect them. Uh, just dissecting people in general? Yeah, you couldn't do it. Damn. Now, this is where scientists, like when you look this up, scientists will say that, hey, William probably opened up an anatomy school and practiced it downstairs in the basement illegally at the time, and that the bodies that he used were probably obtained illegally from grave robbers, and they ended up delivering the bodies to the back of the house through a pub that was on the side street. Now, medical students would then come down to the basement and secretly practice on these bodies. Afterwards, when they were done, William would go and bury these bodies in the backyard. And I know what you're thinking. Backyard, basement, how'd they get there? Well, years later, an extension to the house was built, and this backyard area where William had buried all the bodies, it ended up becoming the floor of this basement. That dirt area ended up becoming the floor. So that is what majority of the scientists believe, that Benjamin probably was aware that there was like an illegal anatomy school going on in the basement, 
but it was unlikely that he participated in it. Every single website you look up, it will say this, Benjamin was probably aware of it, but it was unlikely that he participated. They're just speculating that that's what happened, which makes it a little, eh, you know. Yeah, even being aware of it's still pretty bad, but. Yeah. And just a little knowledge nugget, William, the guy who married Polly, he ended up accidentally cutting himself during some surgery or whatever, cut himself, and he died from blood poisoning by bacteria. Oh. Yeah. So there are two other theories that go along with this Benjamin Franklin's thing. One of the theories is that, of course, he was indeed a killer and that the bodies that were discovered were there because he would go and he would kill these kids and women and then bury them in his backyard. And the people that were building this museum and the government officials didn't want to put a blemish on Benjamin Franklin's history. So instead, they decided to cover it up and say that it was actually his friend uh, who was doing medical experiments on bodies for the name of science. That's the other theory. And then there's a third theory. It's a little more juicy, and it's a short one. So this next theory is that Benjamin Franklin was part of a cult that would perform ritual sacrifices. That these sacrifices included him taking a child or woman and sacrificing them. And is there any proof to back this up? Well, not really. I mean, the only thing that I could find is that Benjamin Franklin was a part of the Freemasons, which, in my opinion, isn't really a satanic cult. I mean, we did an entire episode over the Freemasons, so if you want to learn more about it, just go listen to that episode. But there's that theory that the Freemasons at the time was more satanic and that he was doing these rituals in their name. So they at least know that six of the skeletons that they found were kids. Was it six? Six, yes. Okay, that's what I was... There is another theory that he was getting these bodies and shagging them, which is completely disgusting, but... I do have some oh. like proof to back this up, as bad as this sounds, yes. Um, but in whole, that pretty much wraps up my Theories Thursday right there, is the Benjamin Franklin body snatcher. <laughs> I mean, I, there's nothing really else about it. And I kind of want to go to other places where Benjamin Franklin lived and see if there was any skeletons found or dig around the area. Because that right there would solidify that, hey, maybe he was going around murdering people. Either that or the doctor guy probably threatened Benjamin Franklin. You tell anybody about this, you little bitch. I'm going to slice you up, too. You'll be the next body I hide. And he was a freak, too. So before we wrap this Theories Thursday up, okay, when I started researching into Benjamin Franklin, I got a hold of his journal. Boy, oh, boy, did I find out some weird shit about him. Oh, he, he real freaky? Oh, you signed that Declaration of Independence <laughs> on me. Mm. Okay, ooh, almost passed out. So the first odd thing that I found out about him is that he was a sex addict. So in his autobiography, he stated, and I quote, The hard-to-be-governed passion of my youth had hurried me frequently into intrigues with low women that fell in my way. So basically, like, hey, I'm horny, I'm going to shag every single person I come across. Oh, so he, sh he would shag them, the doctor would kill them, and then dissect them. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, there was something else that I found is that there was a letter that he actually wrote in 1745 and this letter offered advice to a young man who was having trouble with his own sexual addiction and before I read this letter uh, I, a little side note 
this letter was actually kept under wraps for almost 200 years to protect his image. But then it was finally released. So it's a juicy letter then. Yeah. So this letter was titled Advice to a Young Man on the Choice of a Mistress by Benjamin Franklin. So he says, In all your mores, you should prefer old women to young ones. He then goes on to explain that old women, they tend to have more discretion and they will take care of you when you are sick and they are cleaner than prostitutes and that there are no hazards of children, aka of getting them pregnant or them having children. And he also stated that you can't really tell who's old or young when you are in the dark. Exact quote from him. And if that made you not like him, just listen to this. There's more? Oh, man, I found out some more shit about him. This is very short, but it's, you're going to be like, what? I've never heard of anybody doing this. Oh, goodness. Let, it, let me hear it. Now, there was something else that I found out about him, is that he liked to flash people. And, of course, I've heard of people flashing one another, right? But this is a bit different. He was known to have taken a lot of what was called back then air baths, like a bath, but with air, air baths. Have you ever heard of that before? So he just like sit in a bathtub, just that's it? Kinda. What? what? (laughs) So these air baths is when he would open his windows, all of them, to his home, and he would stand there butt-ass naked, regardless of his neighbors or people passing by looking in. Oh, he's air-drying. Yeah. (laughs) I do that all the time. (laughs) There is a small passage that I found from a book that talks about Benjamin Franklin and these air baths, and I would like for you to read it, Dan. Want me to read it? This ain't gonna be like no Fifty Shades of Grey stuff, is it? (laughs) All right, there you go. Read that, please. Oh, God, here we go. Franklin was able to indulge on Craven Street the many eccentricities he had developed. One of these was taking hour-long air baths early each morning during which he would open his window and sit in my chamber without any clothes whatsoever. Another was engaging in little flirtations. The famous painter Charles Wilson Peale recounted how he once visited Craven Street unannounced and found the doctor was seated with a young lady on his knee. What do you think of that? So he was just sitting there with all the windows open with a supposedly Polly on his knee. Yeah. It's so weird. You never hear about this stuff, about Benjamin Franklin and this. You never, never hear about it. I don't want to judge, but... (laughs) 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 Close the damn windows, man. Yeah. (laughs) At least get like a country house where you don't have any neighbors and then you can do it. Don't get a house right there on the street with people walking by and you're standing there with your dong hanging out, man. Damn. Maybe that's one of his fetishes, it seems, that he likes the fact that people could possibly see him. Well, more power to you, Benjamin Franklin. No no judgment, but like Aaron said, get a country house. Just pretend that someone's walking by. All right, so there you go. That's the Benjamin Franklin stuff for you. So Benjamin Franklin, a.k.a. maybe serial killer, a.k.a. freak. Yeah, absolutely. I did not expect that at all. I'm about to try this air bath thing, man. 
Jesus sounds, Christ. Sounds free. Not, not with me around. Please do it some other time. Who else is going to walk by then? <laughs> if you or a loved one have ever experienced an air bath or you're an air bath expert, send Dan an email at dan at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. He would love to get visuals of what an air bath is. So show him it. Oh my God, I hate you. I honestly still picture someone just sitting in a bath that's just completely empty. Like, ah, this is nice and refreshing. All right. Well, you got anything else you want to add to this episode before we go to our on the scene? No, I'm good. Air bath was enough. All right. Well, if you want to hear more theories, you can sign up to our Patreon. It's only $5 a month. And we have another Theories Thursday episode uh, that is a Patreon exclusive that we published today, which you can go take a listen to. It is a great one. All right, so now we're going to move on to our on-the-scene for this week. Now, if you aren't familiar with what our on-the-scene is, it is where an individual from around the world, it could be anybody, it could be you who's listening to it right now. Yes, you. It could be you. You get your phone, and you go up to anyone. It could be a random person on the side of the street, or it could be yourself. You could record yourself talking about a theory or asking yourself a question about current conspiracy happenings. Make sure you record it on your phone. Make sure it's less than two minutes long, and then you send that audio recording to Aaron at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, or you can send it to Dan at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and we will put it in line to play at the end of the show each week. Make sure that there is not a lot of background noise. Please, not a lot of background noise. All right, so this week's On the Scene is from Amir, and we're going to play that right now. Hello, Aaron and Dan, and welcome to On The Scene, episode two, with me, Amir. And today, I have a mini theory to, call, to, call, to talk about. Oh, my God. So, uh, a couple of days ago, I went down the rabbit hole of people dying and what was commonly seen when people come back alive from dying. So, if you guys went down the rabbit hole of people dying and them coming back, supposedly... The most common belief of what death looks like is a waiting room. And, oh, the waiting room surprisingly surprisingly seems like the back rooms. So I thought of this theory that maybe the people who go to the back rooms actually die. And the people who come back to tell the stories of the back rooms uh, actually come back, maybe. Or uh, the people who don't come back from the back rooms die. So, and then the first person who actually thought of the back rooms uh, might actually just guessed something. And then it, it might have been a coincidence that he actually got right because that might be how death works. And I'm not saying that's how death works. Everybody has her, her his or her or alien or sasquatch beliefs or whatever so it's just a theory so don't judge me please uh and yeah that's it hope you guys have a great day all right thank you amir for that on the scene this week i love it i did like that one actually you think about it i mean isn't there supposed to be like a i can't remember if we talked about there's supposed to be like a creature in the back rooms supposed to be multiple multiple different creatures in the back rooms so say that the back rooms is like a waiting room for when you do pass on or you're in the wait, like the in-between the people that do survive the back rooms end up coming back that actually survive, like live on the ones that don't pass on, but the monsters or creatures or whatever in there, 
could be like the Reaper. It's like a trial to whether you pass on or you continue to live. You survive, you live, you don't, you're forced to pass on. So you're saying when you die, you go into the back rooms and then the creature is like the Reaper. And if he catches you or she catches you or whatever it is catches you, then you die permanently. Yeah. But if you find a respawn point, you're good. I guess the respawn point, the door, the exit. However, I don't know how you escape from the back rooms. but I'd be screwed. I would be screwed for sure. I'd just be sitting there be like, eh, I'm right here. White flag. Take me. Take me. I don't know, man. I think when you die, um, part of me thinks you, you go into nothing. Where you came from is where you go, which do you remember anything that happened before you were born? That's what happens after you die. It, it, time becomes nothing. You become energy and you just float around and you were unaware of it and another part of me doesn't want to believe that because that is extremely depressing another part of me wants to believe that uh, quantum immortality theory that all of us are immortal and that we don't die it's our perceptions of other individuals that die so in my reality I have my own reality you die you die in it but in your own reality you didn't die you just keep living and you just keep living and living and living so yeah, that's, that's what I kind of want to believe, which that would honestly kind of suck, right? Because you wake up and you're like, damn, I'm like 300 freaking years old and I become like a science experiment and <laughs> it sucks. Next thing you know, Benjamin Franklin's back and he's dissecting you with the doctor downstairs in the basement. How did I get here? You've been here. <laughs> hey, you want to see my air bath? <laughs> <laughs> Sit on my lap, air, come on, air bath time. But yeah, um, life after death, man, and what, what happens to you after you die is a very intriguing and lifelong mystery. It's probably the biggest mystery of humankind is what happens to you when you die. There was actually a movie that was made on Netflix. I think it was a movie or a TV show where a guy actually figured out what happens to you when you die. Really? Yeah. But it's, it was fake, of course. It's just like a... Oh. But anyways, lifelong question. We will all eventually figure it out. We'll all eventually know. But until that time, I don't want to encourage any of you to find it out quicker than you have to. Live as long as you can and know that everything's going to be okay no matter what happens. We're all going to end up in the same spot, okay? I love you and I'm proud of you all. And Amir, thank you for your on the scene this week. I love you and I'm proud of you. That's right. Much love, Amir. Thank you. All right. So now we're going to transition into shout outs. Dan, what do you got for regular shout-outs? We'll do those first, and then we'll do birthday shout-outs afterwards. All right. So from Facebook, I have Tommy R., Mindy R., Michael D., Bobby C., Steve M., Abby L., David C., Paul W., Nicole A., Travis E., Timothy T., Mike L., Alicia M., Leslie J., and Matt a. Sometimes I say their last name, sometimes I don't. I don't know. Nice. It's just how I feel, I guess. <laughs> All right. So for my shout outs this week, I want to give one to Tyler N. I want to give another one to Tyler P. Jim W. He sent an email and said, first off, I never listened to a podcast before in my life. I thought that they were stupid. I heard a commercial for a wrong burgundy podcast. And then for some reason I found yours. Needless to say, I became a Patreon member within a week. And uh, I never found the wrong Burgundy podcast or any others for that matter. For this, I blame Dan. So that, 
which is what I seem to do now when anything goes wrong throughout the day. I'll be sitting there and say, F word, God dang it, Dan. And then I'll have a coworker go, who the f*** is Dan? And why is everything his fault? So yeah, shout out to you, Jim Wheeler. I agree. Thank you for that. I feel so much better in my life now. <laughs> All right. So the next shout out I want to give is to Michael K. He sent us a very long email that was absolutely amazing. He talked a little bit about Bill Gates in it, and then he went into some theories of, that he had about alien satellites and be, them beaming thoughts. And uh, then he just thanked us for our time and dedication into finding the truth. So thank you for that, Michael K. Shout out to you. Then next shout out I have is to Rudy M. Shout out to him. He said that he recently lost his father and that he would listen to George, Nor- George Nori. And this is how he would spend time with him. And that he just got a job that's 45 minutes away and he found our show and started listening and it reminds him of his dad. And that he just wanted to say thank you for bringing that joy back to him. Well, thank you, Rudy. Thank you. That, that means a lot right there. Yeah, it does. Um, our, my last shout out is going to go to Jada R. She said, hey, I've been listening to you guys for about a week. It makes the, my work fly by. So, yeah. And uh, her birthday is May 30th. And can you say that in a rage scream voice? May 30th is the best FMK birthday. What's a scream rage voice, Dan? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know how it goes. Was she talking about like metal screamo? I I can't do that. That stuff hurts my throat. Yeah, I can't do it right or I'll mess up my voice. Yeah. But anyways, Jada R, thank you for the love, for the email. Proud of you. And happy belated birthday. Speaking of birthdays, Dan, you want to do your birthday shout outs now and then I'll get to mine? So the first birthday is to Eric from Cat, Your Sister. Whose birthday is on September 20th. So happy birthday, Eric. It's either Eric or Erock. I think it was Eric. Happy birthday, Erock. There you go. Then uh happy birthday to Lulu from your husband Robert, whose birthday is on the 23rd. So happy birthday, Lulu. And I think we're supposed to sing a happy birthday for that one. Happy birthday, Lulu. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. I'm about to delete that. <laughs> You're leaving it in. <laughs> then the last one is to a Jared Torres. His birthday is on September 24th. So happy birthday, Jared. Hey, birthday, Jared. Proud of you. Love you. Boom. My first birthday shout out is going to go to Corey Walsh. It's her 52nd birthday. And her husband, Mike, says that she's my absolute soulmate and means the world to me. So if Dan could wish and sing her a happy 52nd birthday, I would appreciate it. Happy birthday, Corey. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. All right. So my next birthday shout out goes to Melanie. I got an email from Jonathan C. He said, hey, it's my girlfriend's birthday, September 27th. I would love if you guys gave her a shout out. Her name is Melanie. Lots of love from Vegas. Happy birthday, Melanie. I hope it's great and have fun in Vegas. I've never been, but I want to go. All right, so my next birthday shout out is to L, but pronounce it A L E H. All? 
Allah? Oh, A-L-E-H. Pronounce it Allah? Allie? Al- <laughs> so freaking dumb. Allie, okay. She said she's been listening to us for about two years now, and it's the happiest she's ever been in two years. They said that their birthday is on September 21st. Would really like it if you guys would sing happy birthday to me in a Barbie-like way. Like Barbie girl song? It's a Barbie. I'm guessing. That's the only thing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Hello, Allie. Hello, Allie. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. That's the best you're going to get because I'm not familiar with that song. All right. Um, let's see. I think I got two more birthday shout-outs. My next one is to Jesse. Jesse said, hey, my 33rd birthday is on September 27th, and it would make my whole year if Dan could sing me a birthday song in Japanese. Well, that's going to be very difficult considering I'm not Japanese and I don't speak Japanese. Hold on. Let me help you out here. Hold on. <laughs> Japanese. Happy birthday. Tanjovi, 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 Tanjovi. To you, Jesse. There <laughs> you go. That's even right. <laughs> hey, and guess what? She didn't ask for that in Japanese. I just made that up. So, oh, I hate you. There you go. Something special for you. <laughs> um, so my last shout out comes from Dave. It's a birthday shout out to an important lady in his life. September 26th, she turns 28. I was wondering if I could get get her a sh- birthday shout-out. Her name is Katie. I think it would be a very cool surprise. We first started listening to your podcast on a 23-hour drive home to Minnesota. Good Lord! After visiting her parents in Haverhill, Massachusetts last December. Damn. That's a long-ass drive. That is a long-ass drive. Well, hey. Happy birthday, Katie. I hope it's a good one. You're turning 28. Hey, and the best years of your life are right now. It only goes downhill from here. You get older, your body starts coming apart. You wake up, your knees ache. But hey, enjoy it now. Happy birthday. Life only gets better. Life only gets better. Don't listen to Aaron. Happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday. Proud of you. Love you. Dave loves you. Okay. And uh, he he wants to know if you'll marry him. I'm just kidding. He didn't put that. Oh, (laughs) damn. Surprise. Just kidding. He didn't put that. Sorry, Dave. Uh, anyways. Gotta get that engagement ring now. <laughs> uh, happy birthday to everyone right there. Okay. Love you all. That wraps up all of our birthday shows. They got one more. Oh, shit. Never mind. Okay. Who I is believe it? Arnold's birthday is on the 26th. I believe oh. it is. That was pretty impressive. Now, if it is his birthday on the 26th, happy birthday, Arnold. If not, that's my fault. Happy birthday. But Aaron got to sing that weird-ass happy birthday. (laughs) All right. Well, you have anything you want to announce or say or state or anything at all before we wrap this episode up, Dan? Uh, No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are amazing. Every single one of you. So that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. (laughs) 